You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. So we're looking at this book, Hebrews. Let me give you a bit of context. Today is just an intro to this book. Uh, The author, uh, most of the Old Testament, or a lot of the Old Testament, the author's unknown. Um, Most of the New Testament, we know who wrote it. Uh, Hebrews is one of the books, the very few books in the New Testament that we're not entirely sure of the author. Um, It's a much debate um, on who exactly it could be. I'm going to accidentally at times through a series say Paul, because I think it could be Paul, but we don't actually know. And sometimes when I'm not sure, rather than saying I know, I say Paul, because he wrote so much of the Bible, it's a safe bet. (laughs) But I'm saying, if you hear me say Paul, it's only because of habit. But the author's actually unknown. We know from this book that it's about the, this person had first-hand relationship with the disciples of Jesus. So we know that they knew who Jesus was and what he was about. They knew him. Or they at least knew the disciples of Jesus. And although it doesn't say who the audience is, um, it assumes that they have great knowledge of the Torah. So it's likely Jewish Christians. Uh, it mentions um, the word city more than any other book of the Bible. So this is a book, just checking, that's not mine. That would be embarrassing because it's going to keep going off because I won't stop. Um, no, it's all good. Um, it's written to Jewish Christians. It mentions the word city more than any other book. So it's written to Christians in a city. And in this city, there's lots of philosophies going around, lots of different teaching, lots of different ideas. And, and actually a bit of persecution is going on, we know that. So it's written to Christians in a city, lots of different philosophies, lots of different ideas. Even 2,000 years ago, it has a lot for us today as Christians or people considering to be Christians. The point of this book, so I'll tell you the point of the whole book before we even start it, it's an encouragement. Christians facing different philosophies and persecution, as mentioned It's an encouragement to them to have their eyes fixed on Jesus and to keep going. So much of the Bible is written to encourage Christians. I said this in our last series, but I'll say it again. If you're coming to church and you're not expecting to encourage somebody, that's okay. No judgment, but... That isn't exactly what that isn't what the Bible actually asks us to do. If you know Jesus and you're coming to church, expect to encourage people. It's what half the books of the Bible are about. To encourage each other. So question first today, who are you going to encourage today? Who are you going to lift up today? Two main goals of the book. One is to elevate Jesus as superior above all. And number two, challenge the reader, as I said, to stay faithful despite persecution. And that's why we've called the series, Jesus is better than blank. As we're going to start filling in the blanks from Hebrews or in our life. But first of all, I want to get us talking. We're a bit quiet today, except for the mobile phone. We're a bit quiet today. So I want to get us a question, talk to each other. Who is your hero? And wait, you can't say Jesus, it's cheating. We'll just assume that everyone's hero is Jesus. Who's your hero? Who do you look up to? Who's someone in your life, whether it's not real or real or someone you know or don't know, who's some people in your life you look up to? 
Um, discuss with a person beside you for just one minute. Who's your heroes? Or behind you? Or in front of you? Doesn't have to be a Bible character. It's not a test. It can be, but who's your hero? All right, call some out. Let's call some out. Let's get, let's get engaged this morning. Call some out. <laughs> Paul said himself, he's his own personal hero. <laughs> yep. John and your parents. That's that's I, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. That's great. So she's your... What's her name? Grace. Grace. Grace is your hero. Nancy? My grandma. Your grandma's your hero? Yes. Let, let's get some even more outrageous ones. So they're, they're, more, like, they're real meaningful ones, which is part of the question I asked. Now let's get some outrageous ones too. So. Kelly Slater. Kelly Slater. That's, yeah, it's also Kelly Slater. So Josh doesn't know Kelly Slater, but it's his hero. Okay. I, do you know what? I almost put you can't say Jesus and you can't say me as a joke, as a joke, as a joke. Because um, I knew how very few might say that. So thanks you, some hours. I'll give you the money later. Um, who else? Who else? Sorry? Fedra? Very good, very good. Yes? Bev? Yes, Bev, very good, yes. She's a, I suspect she's a lot of people's hero. So, Who? Yes, very good one. All right, are we... What do you got, Mark? Giggling. Sorry. Oh, yes, Charles? Those selfless volunteers, essentially, for some, and, and even if they're paid, they're giving themselves to the community. Yeah, I love it, Charles. Very. Oh. The volunteers to the op shop, they're good. You're, oh, you're going on the deep ones. It's good. I was hoping for a little bit more ridiculous, but um, you're, you're too, too meaningful and deep for me. It's, no, it's good. It's good. So, no, no, it's really good because the people of this time as well, like people have in all of time, had heroes. And so in the, in the time the Hebrews was written, or the book of Hebrews was written, they had heroes, especially the Jews had stories of God interacting with men. They had these heroes, things like the angels, the prophets. They had the story of Moses, which we looked at in Exodus. And locally they had their priests, uh, the religious of the time. These people they looked up to, they had these heroes in their life, in their world. They spoke about Moses like he was 
well, he was their ancestor, but they spoke of him frequently. That was their story. That was the heroes they, they talked about. The writer here simply wants to tell them something. He wants to say, and he wants to tell us something. Jesus is better than even that hero. Think of the most inspirational person on the planet. Jesus is better than them. All those they held high at the time, he's better than them. Let me give you an example. You think Billy Graham. Some of you may have become a Christian during the Billy Graham, the closest thing Australia's had to a revival. You may become a Christian as he, as he went across Australia and preached the gospel. Great guy. Jesus is better than him. Jesus is a better communicator than him. This is not to offend Billy Graham fans. This is to uplift Jesus. You may think Steve Jobs, the creator of the iPhone, was very creative, genius, like entrepreneur, changed the face of the planet. Well, Jesus chased the... <laughs> Jesus chased. Jesus changed the face of this planet as he wanted to see his kingdom come. Jesus is better than Steve Jobs. You might be on YouTube and you watch um, YouTube clips by Jordan Peterson, a psychologist that is actually taking the internet by storm as he does 40-minute lectures and young men are lapping it up as they hear his thoughts. He does a 40-minute lecture on Noah's Ark and it's it's got four million hits from young adult men as he teaches them on how to be a man through that. Doesn't even profess to be a Christian, but phenomenal teacher. Guess what? Jesus is better than Jordan Peterson, more insightful than Jordan Peterson. Kylie Jenner, I think it is, the most influential Instagram uh, influencer in the world. She literally buys something, puts it on Instagram, and that company instantly sells out of stock. Millions of followers. Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, and he's still the basis of our society today. How's that for influence? Jesus is better. And we knew that one. That was an easy one. Better than Kylie Jenner. I've got other ones. Jesus is a better teacher than David Jeremiah. He doesn't just preach on end times. He, he wins end times. Nothing compared to Jesus. Michelle Lewin. 13.2 million followers. Good advice on how to eat and stay healthy. I googled this one. <laughs> you just think I'd know. Um, but I Googled this one. Seriously, Jesus, wants, Jesus has something to sta- say about eating spiritually, what you put in your body spiritually, about growing in him spiritually. Jesus is better than Michelle Lewin. The writer here wants the reader to understand this superiority, and so he writes a letter to the early Christians. And he gives us three images this morning that we're going to cover. He gives us a lot of images we're going to look at three this morning to give us a picture of how Jesus is better than. So the first image he says, he says, Jesus is better than the angels and the Torah. Jesus is better than the angels and the Torah. In verse 5 it says, for, for to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? Instantly saying, none of the angels had that title had that privilege jesus is better than the angels and in deuteronomy 33 2 which is actually links back to this it says he said the lord came from sinai 
and dawn from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran and he came from the tens, thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. This actually tells us that the Torah, first five books of the Old Testament, the Jewish Torah, the most holy part of Jewish, um, the Jewish faith for them, this actually tells us they knew this like that. They didn't have, need a preacher to quote this because they understood that the Torah came from 10,000 of holy ones. It was delivered by angels. So there's this picture. You, we, we have all the graphics and all the wings and the angels. We have this picture of angels all the time like this. But angels were seen always as messengers, the bringer of God's news. And in this case, they actually are said to bring, bring the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Think about this. Up until this point in history, when this was written, how did people hear from God? As they looked out at this, everything we're in right now, looked up at the sky and said, what on earth is going on here? Who created this? What's going on? How did they hear from the divine, from God? The entity that is not comprehensible. Yahweh. Well, for the ancient Jewish people, it was prophets, angels, and the Torah. That was how they got the message from God. This ancient law and story. Now, if you, if you think oh, he's talking about Old Testament, it's not relevant. Seriously, if you think about the fact that most of the Torah was delivered possibly around 4,000 years ago, some of the thoughts and ideas and philosophy in it is more progressive than to even today. It cannot be written by humans. It's one of the biggest, um, again, one of the biggest encouragements towards why the Bible is true and why God is so real because it's just inspiring. The Torah. It was how they heard from God. Prophets, angels and Torahs were how people heard from God, how they received direction and how they understood the universe. This is how they heard and received the message of God. And we do the same thing today. We do exactly the same thing today. We have all, think out, I'm thinking outside the church at the moment, but we have people doing meditation, crystals, horoscopes, superstitions. Who's ever heard someone say this? I guess the universe wanted me to have that. They're saying this. Whatever's going on here, this is how I understand it. This is how I try to comprehend it. For some, it's drugs, it's travel, it's experience. They fall into these traps trying to understand, expand and understand the unknown or fill the void of the unknown. Even religion, at its heart, when it's good, it's just us trying to comprehend God. We set a service Sunday morning to pray and do communion and sing because we're trying to connect with God at its, at its best. That's all it is. Trying to comprehend the uncomprehendable. <laughs> when it's unhealthy, when these practices get unhealthy, when the church gets unhealthy, is when we try to box or control God. If we do this, then he'll do what I want. That's when it borderlines. No, it doesn't even borderline. That's unhealthy territory. 
if, if, um, if we don't uh, say this, pray this, smell this, wear this, if we do all that, then I'll connect with God. That's when it becomes dangerous. That's when it becomes religious. We're all trying to understand God. We want to understand why and what we're here for. Fair enough. The writer here is saying, how's this? (laughs) The writer here is saying, forget what you think you know. Forget the angels. Forget all the things mentioned. Forget the prophets. Forget the Torah. Not literally, but forget putting that up here. If you want to know God, if you want to understand his message, if you want to see him, if you want to hear from him, if you want to, your whole life to be shaped around him, if you, you need to look only to and towards Jesus. He, it says, is the final word. The Torah was a word from God. The angels brought a word from God. Jesus is the final word. Long ago, at many times, let me just read a little bit more of the, long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he was spoken to us by his son. I love this. This is a bit cheeky when you look at this. He says in the last days, as if to say, yeah, I know future people that may still be here 2,000 years ago still hasn't changed. Jesus is still the final word. If the world survives another 2,000 years ago to go, Jesus is still the final word, how we understand God. He's the message. He's the image of God. It's found in Jesus. This is a super bold and somewhat arrogant statement to make if untrue, church. Don't, we may not actually understand the weight of saying something like this in an open letter to the church. You've got to understand that the Romans at that time, part of their marketing or branding was that they were deity, that they were kind of God. Augustus actually says, he said, Emperor Augustus said, I am God's son. He even stole a bit from the Christians. So here's a letter in a time they're killing Christians, jailing Christians, persecuting Christians. Here's a letter from a writer that so much believes this. He's happy to put it all on the line to tell this church, to tell these early Christians that Jesus wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good guy. He wasn't just someone important. He's saying, no, Jesus was God. Dangerous words. And he explains it these way. Here are the next two poetic images he gives us, and hopefully they're helpful for us today. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. This is, what, this is the other example he gives us to help us explain who Jesus is. Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. Who's ever looked at the sun before? <laughs> Who's been a kid? Your parents say, don't look at the sun. What do you do? You go, yes, mum and dad, I will never, ever gaze upon the sun, and you never do. I went, ow, ow, ow. You'll lose your sight if you do that. Ow, I won't do that. So... You can't look at the sun. Surprise? That surprises no one, hopefully. <laughs> you can't look directly at the sun. Except when you go outside today, you'll see everything because of the sun. When you go outside today, you'll see everything because of the sun. You can see the sunlight. It's the same substance. One we cannot look at directly. 
It's unattainable. It's unimaginable. It's, it's just, you can't put it into words. Yet we see everything through it. Sunlight is seeable and it makes things more seeable. Sunlight is not less than the sun. It's the same substance. Jesus is God. Jesus is of the same substance as God. He is God. But in a way you can comprehend, in a way you can see, in a way that you can watch and is tangible. This leads us to the final description the writer of Hebrews 1 gives us to kick us off in this intro to this series today. He says, he's the exact imprint of God's nature. He's the exact imprint of God's nature. Do you ever find yourself in a situation and you think to yourself, how, I wonder how God would act in this situation? How would God respond to this, I wonder? <laughs> Even the popular song, What If God Was One of Us, raises this question. What would he do? What would he like? What would he prioritise? Who would he hang with? Who would he not hang with? Who would frustrate him? Who would he go out of his way with to connect with? I wish we had some way, someone <laughs> that could not just give us information about God. So we're not looking for a robot. Can you imagine this? If Jesus came down, boom, I've come to deliver a message. I am the way, truth and a life. I'll now die. Rehearse, say it again. He didn't come that way. And then zoom back up. He came and lived. We'll get more into this in Hebrews, but he came and ate. He was human. He came and died. The writer is saying, look to Jesus, not just for good info, but how Jesus acted, who he talked to, what behaviour frustrated him, what he practised, shows us the nature of God, the divine. If you're not from church, the universe is found in Jesus. That's why as a church we prioritise things called practices. Uh, you'll notice every now and then we teach on a practice because we want to teach on the things Jesus did a lot of. We spent six weeks on eating. How good is that if you're new here? This is the type of church that spends six weeks talking about eating. Welcome home. Because <laughs> Jesus ate a lot. He even says the Son of Man came eating and drinking. How's that? He ate with people. He prayed the way he prayed, what he saw holy. We seek to do those things, not out of earning our, his love, but because that's what God did when he was here. That's why Church of Christ said, look, forget everything else. Forget the religiousness. Church of Christ, I'm talking about as a movement, said, forget all the religiousness that's going around. Forget the infighting of churches. Forget trying to be a better church than that church. We're just going to be churches of Christ. Jesus, that's it. And do you know what? Jesus says, do communion, and he says, baptise. And so we do those things, and we'll do those things well. Other than that, it's about Jesus. That's why I love this movement. That's why we talk so much about sacrifice here, because that's what Jesus did. That's how he lived. 
gave up his life to allow us. Jesus setting the example, being the nature of God, gave up his life, as Jono was talking about before, to bring us back into the family of God. So if we're a follower of Jesus, that's the nature of God. That's what it looks like, to be willing to give up yourself, your desires, your comfort to see people come and know Jesus because that's what Jesus did and he's God. This is what Hebrews is about and this is what we're going to look at this coming season. So one question, one question to finish up today and it's kind of my prayer for this series. This is the question I wish that we as a church could ask up until Christmas. Keep asking. Because I think it'll have ramifications, good ramifications for our church. Here's the question. And don't answer it straight away. Is Jesus superior in your life? Let me say it again. Is Jesus superior in all things in your life? Hold your response. Let me explain because the good Christian says, absolutely, Steve. But this is not about Q&A right now. This is not about just give me the right answers. I could pass a written driver's test. That doesn't make me a good driver. You can tell me God's superior in your life. It may not have reached here. It may have. It may not have. Even the demons, it says in the Bible, know the answers. Is Jesus superior in your life here and here in all things? Imagine if we were humble enough as a church to reconsider that as Christians this season in all things. Imagine as a non-Christian here, you may not be sure of Jesus, you ask. Start wrestling with it. What a perfect series to ask yourself, is Jesus superior? Because if he's not, what are we doing here? If he's not the best thing, (laughs) what a waste, what a lot of stress and work. (laughs) If it's not, I love what C.S. Lewis says. How's this for a quote? He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Jesus is either, you're seeking to have Jesus either superior in your life or you're not. And if you found something better, come let me know. I challenge you to come find something better than Jesus. I'm not scared to ask you that. Wrestle with it. Ask questions of God. Ask questions with each other. Half the Psalms is David questioning God. It's okay to wrestle with it. Fight it. Ask it. Because what it does, it changes you if it starts to bother you. It changes you. So it's easy for me to stand up here and say, Let it change you. Let me give you my challenge in my life and then hopefully encourage you that if the pastor can admit these things, then maybe some of us can as well. I'll admit that sometimes this job, job I'm in, pastor, has hard bits some days, has hard days. Most jobs do. Some days I'm left without answers. Some days I'm like, what on earth, God? (laughs) What do you want me to do? What do I do after that? What do I do after that Wednesday? And so many times in my discipleship with Jesus, 
I go to the perceived experts first. I Google sometimes what to do with. <laughs> I anxiously try to figure it out. Do you know what? I'll do this. I'm a, I'm a man. Uh. <laughs> I'm Steve. I'll figure this out. I'll figure this out. I'll solve this, I think to myself. Do you know what? And in moments, I even try to control it. My stress and my frustration means that I'm extra cranky at the kids. Maybe I'm not even respectful to Mez because I'm grumpy at something else that I can't control or I'm trying to control. Or, do you know what? I'm human. I'm tempted by the allure of substance or things. Do you know what? It's pretty stressful. But, do you know what? A couple of drinks might help. It's pretty stressful. Buying that new, insert blank, might help. It's pretty stressful. Doing this, that's just for me, might help. Might help control it. Comfort, distract. My prayer for me in this series is that I would have a renewed, more intense knowledge and understanding of Jesus' superiority. It won't be solved. It's a journey. But I hope that I leave this series not just knowing some cool facts about Hebrews, but changed. Understanding more that Jesus is the final word. Done. That he is God and that he showed us God's nature. That in all things, in all areas, I would give things to him. Yes, seek advice, of course. And it's nothing wrong being comfortable either. But am I going to him first? Am I giving it to him first? Is he truly superior in every area of my life? That's the question for us this series. Is Jesus superior? Let me pray. The band's going to come up and sing that new song again. Beautiful lyrics about us pursuing that superiority, even in the hard times. So we're going to sing, we're going to have another crack at it, as Josh would say. And uh, let me pray and I'll welcome them up. Father God, don't let this just be another nice series in this church, Lord. Let us wrestle with your words. Let us wrestle with these, at the times, dangerous, if untrue, arrogant, if untrue, prideful claims that Jesus actually is superior above everything else, Lord. We know it to be true, I think. And if we don't, I pray you start to mess with us. I pray you start to reveal things through your Spirit in our life that we haven't given to you. Things that we try to control, things that we try to manage, things that we try to just get around and say, oh, I'll fix it. Without thinking about giving it to the final word. Giving it to the image of the divine. Giving it to Jesus Christ. Let this be a life-changing church changing burly heads suburb changing series as we look more and more like you as we get towards christmas in jesus christ's name amen and and